Mind the Head with Paul Flaherty, a show that takes a look at the different aspects of mental health and well-being. Sunday mornings on Lockray Community Radio. Hello, you're very welcome to this episode of Mind the Head here on Lockray Community Radio. My name is Paul Flaherty and in this series I focus on mental health and chat to a variety of people that share their personal stories with me. And on today's show I'm joined by Siobhan Mungavan, who is going to share her personal story with us. Siobhan is a certified personal development coach, an author, public speaker, an advocate for those with spina bifida and kidney failure. Hello Siobhan, you're very welcome along to Mind the Head. Hello, thank you so much for having me Paul. You're welcome. You're beaming there from ear to ear, so it's lovely to have you here in the studio with us because, unfortunately, between one thing and another, we haven't had many studio guests. So today you're here in the studio. It's lovely to talk to you. Um, you've got this real positive <laughs> face on you, so we're, let's get uh, chatting. Uh, but before we do all that, Siobhan, I've got to ask you a very important question, which I ask everyone that comes on the show, and that is, how's the head? I'm good. I'm in good form and excited for uh, to connect here this morning with you and our listeners. So, yeah, I'm good. Thank you so much for asking. So, as I said in my kind of introduction to you there, you are a certified personal development coach, um, you're also an author, but you have been, um, you have spina bifida. Yes, I do indeed, yeah. So, for anyone that may be listening along that may not be aware of what spina bifida is, can you kind of tell us a little bit about that? Okay, well, spina bifida is um, something I'm born with, it's a, it's a physical disability. Um, it's ultimately, when I was born, um, the my end of my back was opened and a, a bubble formed so when I was born it had to be closed as quick as possible in order to um, have as less um, a less nerve damage as possible so um, yeah in simple terms it's a kind of it's, it's a defect of, of the spine okay yeah. so growing up you were kind of this is this was your way of life Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I guess I know no difference. Yeah. Um, you are right. It is. It was my way of life, and through each developing stage of of my life, it's come with it's come with ups and downs. There's no there's no denying that. And like spina bifida is known as the snowflake condition. So no two people with spina bifida are the same. Mm. It's like no two humans are the same. So what? how I deal with my spina bifida and how I cope with my condition is different to how another person has been, has coped or dealt with their, with their condition. Tell us a bit about your childhood, Javon, because there's a very interesting story about how you learned how to walk. Yeah, um, well, I'm from the, I'm from the countryside, so yeah. I've had a country bringing up, um, an amazing parents, um, Noel and Geraldine Mungovan. Um, I'm extremely close to my parents and two brothers, <laughs> um, bodyguards at times, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, one's older, one's younger. And yes, I guess with Spina Bifida, um, my mom was told when I was born that I wouldn't be able to walk. Um, I would need round the clock care. And I'd also need, um, I'd also probably have um, a mental disability as well or because of a condition I having um, which is hydrocephalus um, so <laughs> my mum being very like me stubborn and like that's nothing to feed her um, kind of said to the, the doctors well she's my daughter she's Siobhan and I'm going to take her home so I wasn't walking for a number of years when I was little but I walked at the age of three 
and I walked with the the help and support of my my dog Major, mm. um, a Labrador dog. Um, so because with having twenty fifth, my balance wouldn't be a hundred percent. So I kind of latched onto him, and um, very mild, very tame dog. So I I do all my my walking ability to to him to this mm. day, and I know maybe a lot of people might find that a little bit silly to say, but it's something that I never thought I'd be able to do. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine from my parents' perspective, the first moment they saw mm. their daughter walk, like and like a whole heap of doors opened, mm. whole heap of opportunities opened for, for them and mm-hmm. for me alone. So, yeah. That's a very interesting story, yeah. So, obviously then, you know, you were going to school. Um, there's... You were talking about kind of national school being somewhere where you thrived. Uh, national school, I would say I survived yeah. in national school. Um, I guess coming from um, where I brought up, um, Spina Bifida wasn't known. It's something different. And I, um, when something is different to people, maybe they're a little bit conscious mm. or a little bit aware of it. So... Um, yeah, national school was was difficult. Um, I did get through it um, because of my family and mm. my parents and everything. But then going to secondary school, I would say that I thrived in secondary school. And the reason why I say I thrived in secondary school is because everybody was different. Mm. And this to me was like the most amazing thing on the planet. Mm. Like everybody was different. Everybody had their own struggles, had their own story did not matter if you walked down the corridor with pink hair nobody took a blind bit of notice of you and I was like wow like I'm not sticking out like a sore thumb mm-hmm. um, so yeah I loved I love secondary school and I know a lot of people are probably thinking how did you love secondary school but it was hands down the best five years of my life I'd do it again and I'd do it again in a heartbeat mm. Yeah. I love your positivity. You. It's really kind of like infectious, <laughs> you know, it really is. Um, so, but unfortunately, the story takes a rather different turn then because mm. at the age of 19, you mm. found yourself being diagnosed with kidney failure. Mm. And yes, it does take a little bit of a, a detour of my life at 19. Obviously, at 19, 18, 19, the next developing stage in your life is, is going to college. And yeah. that was like... That was a door of opportunity that was, at the time, kind of close to me because of getting kidney failure. And I think when I got diagnosed with kidney failure, it's it's a silent thing. And I really want to put that across to people that having kidney failure can be very silent. And when I got diagnosed... Can I ask you kind of about the diagnosis? Mm. Because... So the diagnosis, I um, I had a pressure sore on my heel... And with spina bifida as well, your healing power wouldn't be 100%. So obviously I went to the doctor to get the pressure sore, pressure, pressure sore sorry, excuse me, looked after and that's fine and got regular blood tests done. And the doctor turns to me and he says, who's your kidney consultant? And I said, I don't have one. And he goes, I think you may need to get one. And I thought, oh sure, look at I probably have a kidney infection or, mm. or something like whatever like. But um, then, obviously, I went to my first kidney 
clinic in Limerick, in the UL in Limerick. And wow, that was probably one of the biggest wake-up calls of my life because I'm 19 and I'm sitting in a waiting room full of people twice my age, if not three times my age. And I'm thinking, like, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with me. These people look a lot sicker than me. And I went in and seen my consultant, um, Dr. Casterly in Limerick, and he's an absolute legend in my eyes. I definitely wouldn't have the health that I have today without him. Um, and he just said to me, you're in chronic kidney failure. And I remember just turning to my mom, and I just said to him, Mama, I don't know what college your man is after going to, but like, I think he needs to go back because he's after telling me I have kidney failure and there ain't nothing wrong with me, like. So like, the creatinine level in your blood is, is the kidney function in your blood. And um, for anyone listening in, I'm four foot six. <laughs> so I'm a pocket rocket, <laughs> quite tiny. So my creatinine was up in 400. <coughs> and for the average person, um, height-wise, built-wise, that would be high, but not be okay. But for me, that's that's at dangerous levels. So um, there was all talk about me going on um, dialysis at the time, but I did have a life-saving operation in two thousand in nineteen, not two thousand and nine. Excuse me, um, a bladder augmentation because my bladder was compared to as a sieve. And I guess the reason why I'm saying this is that's why I developed kidney failure is because your bladder stores your urine. Mm. And obviously with mine being compared to a sieve, it wasn't storing the urine. The urine was going up into the kidneys Mm -hmm. and then over time. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you about how you were feeling? I mean, I don't mean physically, I mean Mm. kind of mentally, because I know for myself, we take our bodies for granted. Of course. Uh, particularly organs like your kidneys. I mean, you, do, you, you they're there, but we don't sort of be like, oh, my, how are my kidneys today? You know, that kind of way. But like, so when someone tells you, oh, look, you're in kidney failure, I mean, what's going through your head? Denial. Yeah. Straight away, denial. Did not want to accept it. Like, I'm 19. My mm. life is just beginning. Like, I want to do all of these things. Mm. And, and, and this person is telling me, you need to take stock of what's happening. And I totally went into denial. And I think I was in denial for at least two two years. And now I wouldn't have said I went off the rails, but I probably went down an avenue that I shouldn't have been going down um, because of not being able to accept what's going on, what's been going on in my life. And that when you can't accept what's going on in your life and you're in denial obviously that's going to ex- uh, going to affect your your mental and your physical health kind of a thing so yeah the two things i would have said is definitely denial and not being able to accept what's happening in the here and now yeah right. yeah but look that was that was 2006 mm-hmm. when you got that diagnosis yeah. i mean we're here now in 2021 yes <laughs> i mean you know Yes, and I I have to say, I guess having that um, diagnosis was probably one of the best, worst things that's ever happened to me. And I describe it like that is because it gave me probably the kick up the bum that I needed because up until that point, um, I have scoliosis as well. So up until the point of getting diagnosed with kidney failure, I was very much into vanity. Mm-hmm. 
and how I looked and how I looked was the main thing in my life. But up and getting that diagnosis kind of made me stop and think, well, this is something, Siobhan, that's really going to affect your life and you need to kind of start looking after yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I kind of started my journey of self-acceptance then for me as a whole. Mm-hmm. And that's where the kidney failure and the spina bifida kind of journey of, of, of acceptance started for me. Okay. Okay. Um, and obviously, I spoke about you being a personal development coach now. So have you applied some of what you've kind of learned throughout your own life into that aspect as well? Completely, because mm. I was, um, and I'm very pro talk therapy of any kind. And I've been a client of talk therapy for years myself. Um, I went to life coaching as a as a client for for seven years myself um, because I'm a firm believer that we spend so much time looking after our, our physical health. Mm-hmm. We go to the gym, mm-hmm. we eat healthy, we exercise, we walk, we, whatever it may be look like for you. But we do neglect our mental health. We just brush mm-hmm. things under the carpet mm-hmm. and we just say, oh, I'll be grand. Mm-hmm. The typical Irish thing mm-hmm. to say, oh, sure, I'm grand. Mm-hmm. But are you really like what's really going on for you mm-hmm. like you said at the beginning of today's interview how's the head mm-hmm. and when you said that to me that actually made me stop and think like how am i actually feeling today mm-hmm. and to check in with ourselves and i think with all that's happened to me throughout my life as well it's kind of um helped me to figure out what's going on for me because we look so much externally for answers mm-hmm. oh when i have this house i'll be great or mm-hmm. if i have this car everything will be fine in my life but it's only when you can look within there all of those external things i say are like an adrenaline rush yeah they'll fix whatever is going on in your life for the meantime but and it's an adrenaline rush but if you can give that s- self-love to yourself that's everlasting Mm -hmm. and I think that's taken me so long to learn it's not something that you're going to learn overnight but is it going to be hard yes a hundred percent but is it worth it a million percent yeah Mm -hmm. I can see you're very passionate about (laughs) about what you're talking because we are the most hardest critics of ourselves and I've said this before that you know we speak to ourselves like we wouldn't speak to anybody else. Of course, and I totally agree with that. Like, like our inner critic mm. can be alive at times. Like, and it is about stopping and saying to yourself, "Would you speak like that to your best friend, mm. your mom, your dad, your siblings?" And if you did, I can imagine you'd get some funny look. Mm-hmm. So why is it okay for you to speak to yourself like that, but it's not okay for you to speak to somebody else? And it's all about self-talk. And I, a lot of, when I started this whole kind of self-care, self-love, how do you, where do you begin? Mm. Your language is everything. Your language, because your brain doesn't know the difference. So if you're saying to yourself, I'm not worth it, your brain is going to believe it. Mm. But if you say to yourself, do you know what? I am worth it your brain is going to believe it because it's a program in which you're running off. And if you're running off the program, I'm not worth it. 
you kind of have stopped. You have to stop yourself and ask yourself, is this serving me well? Mm. And if your answer is no, well, it's time to change. And I know, I know more than anybody, change is difficult. But are you not worth giving yourself that gift? That gift to change? That's what I would be asking myself. That is that is fantastic. Mm. They're really, really inspirational words, to be honest. Mm-hmm. They really are. Okay. Um, you have written a book. I have. Uh, well, actually, no, sorry, I was trying to correct you. You've written a memoir. <laughs> a memoir. Um, yes. I mean, I've heard this been said before. Everyone's got a book in them, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And but kind of for you, where did the idea come from to write a book? Or, you know, how did that all happen? I do agree with the phrase, there's a book in everybody. Mm. But I think if I said that to myself, I'd have probably scared myself <laughs> and not done it. Um, ultimately, how it all started for me was therapy. <coughs> therapy, it started off as me wanting to tell my story to my mum. I wanted my mum to see the world through my eyes because we can all we can always push ourselves we can try and put ourselves, excuse me, into the shoes of the other person. But to actually meet somebody at their bus stop, as I'd say, and take the journey with them of their life. I just wanted my mum to see what it's like for a, twin, for a woman growing up in the 21st century, what it's like, because it's not easy. Mm. And I'm not taking it away from when she was growing up. But growing up in the 21st century isn't easy at the best of times not alone somebody (laughs) with all the ailments that I have so I just really wanted her to get a true understanding of what it's like and I also wanted to share my story with people as to what it's like living with spina bifida Mm -hmm. but also my relationship with my mom the relationship with my mom is extremely important to me I definitely would not be here today without her Mm -hmm. she's been I always say, like, everybody in life has a soulmate. But your soulmate doesn't have to be a romantic soulmate. Your soulmate could be a friend, it could be a sister, a brother. Well, my soulmate is my mum. She's my person. She's the person that's been beside me from day one, since the day I was born. And a lot of people... And I'm sorry, I'm probably going off on a tangent. No, no, you're fine. But a lot of people ask me how I'm doing mm. and how spina bifida affects me. But nobody stops to ask how it has affected my mom. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, my mom was 29 when she had me. Like, I can't, I'm 35 now. <laughs> I keep saying 34. Mm. <laughs> I'm only 35. I do that all the time, Siobhan. <laughs> Don't worry, you're all right. <laughs> since the other day I'm still getting used to it (laughs) but um, I can't imagine what it's like for a 29 year old to have a child Mm. and she never heard of spina bifida Mm. before so I really wanted people to see I wanted her to see the world through my eyes Mm -hmm. but I wanted people to see what it's like for her as well Mm. and I think that's the real passion behind the book the relationship between me and my mum how I see the world, but also how she sees it. Mm. 
and that's there in print now for everyone to see yeah. forever. Yes. You know, um, that book is called Me and My Backbone, yeah. My Journey with Spina Bifida, mm-hmm. um, which can be got from bookhubpublishing.com. Yeah. Um, and then, Siobhan, your life coaching company is called Keep Smiling Always. Yes. Can I ask you kind of about the life coaching? Because I've heard the term, but I'm not really 100% sure exactly what the process mm-hmm. would entail. I guess life coaching is, it's obviously different to counselling and psychotherapy. Life coaching is where I'm helping you to get to where you want to be. But we're dealing with the present and the future. As for in counselling or psychotherapy, we'd be diving into your past. It's not to say that in life coaching or any of the sessions you do with me, that your past doesn't come up. Of course it does, but we don't don't dwell in the past. We, we work on the person that's in the here and now and where that person wants to go. So if I had a particular life goal that I wanted to achieve, of course, yeah, you would be helping me to yeah, kind of exactly. get there. Exactly, your blocks or any um, maybe sub-sabotage that you might be going through or any fears that you might have with them, your, what you're trying to work with, all of that, that you'd work with a coach very interesting mm-hmm. and that company that business is called keep smiling always oh, yes, yeah. where did that name come from and you're smiling today all the time so i presume that's where that came from um i think um it's just a kind of a motto i've had for a good number of years now and it's like yes i am a smiley person mm-hmm. i'm a i'm an optimistic person mm-hmm. i don't really the glasses is always half full with me um because there's there's a solution for everything mm. And that's what I kind of want to get across to the people that I work with as mm-hmm. well. At the moment, things may not go, may not be going so well in your life, but nothing is permanent. Mm. Things, everything t- change. Everything is changing all the time. The only thing that's consistent is change. Mm. But the changes start, the changes start with you. Um, I guess, and with me, I think, what's changed in me is the element of control i think we try to and this is where our kind of our inner critic this is where our safety blanket i think i always see my inner critic as my safety blanket because we try and predict the future Mm. and once we can predict the future we're safe Mm -hmm. we're fine we we know what's happening but the scary thing in change is we don't know what's going to happen Mm. so like why worry about something twice if something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But you worrying about it before it's even happened. Mm. You're worrying about something twice. So for me, I think that's what I've um, I've learned an awful lot with going to um, coaching as a client, but also working with the clients that I have and the element of compassion. You spoke about it earlier, about how we speak to ourselves. Mm. How we speak to ourselves is crucial. We've buckets of compassion for other mm. people. But what about the compassion for ourselves? Mm. Like we're human, we make mistakes. I'm human. Mm-hmm. I make mistakes on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's okay. We just have to know the only thing that we can control is how we respond or react to a situation. Mm. So yeah. That's a big thing, particularly about how you respond to a situation mm. because sometimes it's usually, it may not be the correct response that you should take, yeah. you know? Exactly. But you just sort of, I suppose, just in your head from the way you've been speaking to yourself, you know, sometimes it may not be the right one that you choose to take. And, it, and it's if, if you didn't happen to take the right one this time, just say to yourself, what did I learn from that? Mm. 
so it doesn't become a pattern mm-hmm. because like again we're human we're not always going to do the right thing at every given moment of our lives but it's it's the learning process and i think that's where the golden nugget is is in what we're learning because i know for me like i'm 35 now and there's some starts, parts of my life developing stages that I'm kind of I'm way back like I'm probably uh, in my early 20s uh-huh. but like I'm not down and out myself about that because I'm still learning I'm still moving it doesn't matter about the pace in which you're going uh-huh. it's just that you keep moving forward well Siobhan I'm sorry to say that we're kind of coming to the end of our interview and I've had such a good time talking to you today um, it's been very very insightful um, I think you are very inspirational in all that you have been through and are going through. Um, your uh, life coaching company is called Keep Smiling Always. Mm-hmm. You can be contacted through Instagram or Facebook. Um, and then your book is Me and My Backbone, uh, My Journey with Spina Bifida from Book Hub Publishing. Have you any final words you'd like to leave with us today? Um, first of all, I'd like to thank you. I've really enjoyed the experience being here this morning. Um, and I guess... The one thing I just want to leave people is just be yourself and yourself is, is enough and and be kind to yourself. We spend so much time being kind to other people. Just just stop today and just just be kind to yourself because you're you're going through just as much as as the next person and you're worth the time and energy that you put into another person. Lovely, lovely words. Thank you, Siobhan. Thank you very much for coming in to see us today. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much for listening along today. Um, That's been Mind the Head. Until next time, take care. Mind the Head with Paul Flaherty, a show that takes a look at the different aspects of mental health and well-being. Sunday mornings on Lockray Community Radio.